Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Struzinski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 32 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today, we welcome one of poker's newer personalities, Marley Cordero. She first came to the broader community's attention a couple years ago by an appearance on Andrew Nimi's blog, after which she started a YouTube channel of her own that quickly grew in popularity. Since then, she's rocketed to stardom in the poker world with playing appearances on Poker Go, Live at the Bike, and other poker streams. She's been the host for the Triton series, co-hosted the Rake podcast with Jamie Kerstetter, and beyond all that, content production is a talented poker player, talented professional poker player, and just a super cool person. Marley, welcome to the Cards Chat podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Likewise. So um, you and I have done the social media dance for a while. We've collaborated a couple times, but I kind of feel that this is the first uh, real opportunity that I'm going to get to know you a little bit better. Um, So because of that, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into poker? So the short version is my dad played for a living um, for a little while when I was growing up. So I was always around. I lived in Vegas for a short time. I went to high school here for a year when he was playing live. And um, went to freshman year in high school. And uh, it was never really something I wanted to do for a job, but I always enjoyed it. And it was always a bonding uh, experience with my dad and I, who were very close. And, um, and yeah, I was, uh, was kind of living in New York in my early 20s. I went to school there and I was kind of looking for a change. And my dad was living out here. And I still didn't really necessarily move here to play poker. It was just for a change and to be closer to him. And um, I fell in with a great group of people who took me under their wing and really coached me and helped me out. And um, so I've been playing full time now for probably four and a half years. Nice. Um, and yeah, and about three years ago, I started making content. Yeah, cool. Well, before the, the four and a half years of, of playing professionally, what is it about the game that attracted you? What do you find so interesting about it? Well, I've kind of always chosen high variance careers. Hmm. I was an actor before this, and my dad always jokes when I choose very high variance things, very difficult things. And I think that I just like the challenge. I like, I like kind of not knowing if I'm gonna um, go bust or not. I've I, when I do play, I think there's also a spectrum within the poker community of more conservative, really cautious bankroll management people and other people who kind of take a lot of shots. I've always been a shot taker. I've always been hyper um, aggressive and almost frivolous. So I think that that's what attracts me. Interesting. Okay, cool. So you said you fell in with a particular kind of crowd that kind of helped you get into the scene. Uh, care to name some names and give some shout outs? Um, so it was uh, my ex-boyfriend, um, who I don't think you know, but it's this group of people in Vegas who are from uh, a meditation community in Iowa. Mm. Probably the most famous of them is Max Steinberg. Okay. He, he final tabled the main event. Yeah. Um, he grew up with my ex-boyfriend and then a few others, Cy Watson and Josh Atkinson, Lincoln Gardner. Um, so those people, and they were really, uh, really helpful. Josh was um, the person really who took me under his wing and started coaching and staking me early on. And it was really great because there was this the, the trust there because he was my ex's good friend and my good friend and um, a good person. And so I think 
a lot of times when you get into poker, I hear so many horror stories about staking and coaching, especially being a woman, people don't always have the purest intentions. And I just was so lucky to meet people that there was already this like baseline of trust. And so mm. I could dive in. Oh, yeah. That's that's really great. And you kind of found them like, I guess you were just when you playing in the rooms and just befriended people at the tables. Is that how it worked? Yeah, I met my ex and we started dating and that's how I met this whole group of people. So I just got lucky. Cool. Okay. Well, sometimes run good uh, is a good thing. Better rather be lucky than good. Um, you started the uh, content creation, like you said, three years ago. Why, why'd you decide to do that? Start the YouTube channel? Well, like I said, I was an actor for many years. And, um, you know, even though I left uh, that world professionally, I, I just, I'm just a creative person. I want that, that outlet. And it just seemed like a really natural fit. Uh, I still love poker, loved poker at the time, but I was really good. For, I had known Andrew Nimi since I had lived, moved here. So I had known Andrew at the time for years and he was very encouraging, very supportive as were a few others, Johnny Vibes, Brett Owen. Um, I'd known all those guys. And, uh, and so, yeah, they really encouraged me, gave me the support. And like I said, I just, it was just a natural progression and uh, an outlet for me. Okay. So it's like a, an artistic expression. Did you have this thought when you first started, okay, I want to build an audience like these guys, like Andrew, like Johnny, Brad, and, you know, take it from there and, you know, become more involved in that way as well. Is that a preconceived notion? I, I don't even know if I had this preconceived notion of being on their level or having it monetized like they do. It was honestly more just like, I need a creative outlet. Hmm. I need something uh, I think that any poker player needs an outlet and for some people that's working out or that's, you know, going to nature or whatever, but I'm just, for me, I, what it is, is creative. And so it was just like an outlet, no expectations uh, of how I could monetize it or whatever. And I was just, again, I was just lucky that I got it at the right time and I had the right support, huh. but yeah. Nice. Well, I, I'm, I guess you could say a fellow content creator of sorts. Uh, I know, you know, it's it's fun to kind of look at the numbers, the analytics, you know, how well is it doing? Who's liking, who's engaging? Is that something that you do? Uh, and I ask specifically because if it's just a, a creative pursuit, perhaps just, you know, hit and publish or upload, maybe that's enough. No, well, it started off that way. And that's kind of the, the, tra the trap is that when you do start to get paid for it, when you do start to... Um, it does start to become a monetized thing and maybe even your main focus, mm. you get fall in the trap of, of looking at the numbers. And I think that's kind of, I think look at it a little bit is good, but I think that if you just stick to, you know, why I think I was so successful in the beginning is because I just was doing things that I thought was funny. Like I, the stuff I was making hadn't really been done before. Right. And I like, I think a lot of people go into it being like, I'm going to make a vlog like Andrew Nemier. I'm going to make a vlog like Brad and then I'm going to succeed. And it's not a bad strategy and I think it can work, but I think that the ceiling on growth of that strategy is pretty low. Mm -hmm. And also like, you're not going to enjoy it. Like you need to do what is you, Yeah. you know, so. Yeah. And you can't, you can't uh, substitute originality. Um, well, on, on the poker playing side, you did mention uh, backing staking. So I want to get into that just a little bit. And, and here, here's my question here. So a lot of listeners, a lot of members of the Cards Chat forum, of the Cards Chat community, they're people like me, 
one, two, two, five recreational players. You know, we have these dreams someday we'll play in, you know, the biggest games in the world. You have actually climbed pretty high. You know, you used to be playing, you know, two, five, five, ten. You're still playing those sorts, <clears throat> those sorts of stakes. But a couple months after you started the vlog, you're playing 1025 on Poker Go. And then you posted a, a video where you're playing 300, 600, no limit at the high limit room at the Aria. So that's not typically something that happens overnight. How did it happen? Yeah, it, it did almost happen overnight for me. Hmm. And there were some consequences with that. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, it's good to grind up the stakes and mm-hmm. pay your dues, so to speak. Uh, and I definitely skipped some steps. And what comes with that is fumbling a bit at the beginning. And and yeah, so how it happened really was, um, you know, I was I was playing like, I was playing like two five and five ten in Vegas, uh, and still staked. Mm. And I had just broken up with with my ex, and um, Josh was still staking me. And I started this vlog, and I kind of just got all this attention. And like I said, I was I was doing a lot, and so it kind of just stars kind of aligned. Um, I was getting these invitations for these bigger games, and Josh couldn't afford to. Um, stick me nor was he really in poker anymore so he kind of handed me over to uh, a friend of his and like you know I wasn't a makeup or anything so we just trans we just like took over and I um, a friend of mine Matt Berkey I think people know pretty well that we are friends and he got me into this 360 game and then my backer people think that Berkey was backing me Berkey was never backing me it's funny Um, but the guy who was backing me got me in some other games and it's just one of those things that the the bottom line is like, if you're a woman, it's it's a really they're looking for women to play big games. So any you know if you're like Farrah Galfond is is a I play with her many times. She's a regular in the game and and a few others. Lynn um, G. Sure, but sure. They're just looking for. There's not a lot of women who can play that stake who have the means. So it's just, you just get a fast track. It's as simple as that. I didn't, I didn't earn it in any way. Just, okay. Well, I, you know, it's something we always appreciate uh, your openness. You don't, you don't hold back. And in a sense, you know, for all the ladies out there, there's plenty of women in the uh, cards chat community. There's a spot, you know, that this is a, a certainly in it, you know, something to be used to your advantage. If they want women in there, go ahead, get yourself out there, perhaps. Um, what does it feel like, though? I mean, if you're sitting in the 25510 streets and all of a sudden you're in a 300-600 game, are you like, oh, my God, you know, deer in the headlights kind of a thing? Totally deer in headlights. And the biggest thing is just, I think that even if you did grind your way up and you did go from 50-100 and you kind of whatever, when you're in that league of money, because obviously in poker, you have to think about it in big lines and just right. bet. And you can't think about the actual dollar value. Um, and I think that it's, I think people would be lying to you if they said that they could do that right away at that stake. It's impossible. Like it's impossible to, because I think that to any, like I was buying for 50K, which is less than 100 big lines. So mm. it's very easy to win. You know, it's conceivable to win quarter million dollars in a sure. session game. Yeah. And that's life-changing money to anybody, I don't care how rich you are. So it's just wrapping my mind around that and just thinking about it in big lines just took it took a long time. 
Hmm. Uh, it took a really long time. And even now, um, I played in it a couple of times right before COVID. And even up until then, it's just like, you have to just numb yourself to just be like, this is just big blinds. Like it's a hundred big blinds. So unbelievable. Does does it play? I mean, again, from those of us, again, on the more recreational side of things, it's, you know, gigantic dollar amounts and, you know, we can logically thinking about it in, in big blinds, but you know, we say, okay, well, does it take, you know, the skill, but if you're rich enough, you know, to go ahead and play these games, do they play differently? Or, you know, I imagine there's got to be, you know, obviously much more skilled players, but what's the tangible difference besides the money uh, in terms of, you know, who you're sitting with at the table? Well, actually, I think that it plays, it's, it plays the softer. Like it's this, this bell curve, right? Where this, the player competency gets tougher and tougher. And I think it honestly like, caps out around 1020 Bellagio is like a really tough game as far as the average skill level. Mm-hmm. And then when you get higher than that, it goes back down. And then when you get to nosebleeds, you're playing against kind of goobers a little bit. I mean, there's some good players like Andrew Robles, regular, like there's some really good players, but um, overall, like it comes back down. It's just, so yeah, it actually plays soft. Um yeah, it, it plays soft, but like things that are no brainers, you just like, I second guess. I was second guessing in the beginning just because I was like, fuck, you know, because even though I was staked, I had half of myself. So sure. if I went a hundred, if I went a hundred K, it's like, I still get $50,000 in my pocket today. So it's like, that's a lot of money to anybody at any time. So yeah. it's wow. just so hard to, to pull the trigger when you need to. It's just so hard. Mm, because the money is still somewhere in your mind. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm not jungle man. Like I feel like there's people that can really compartmentalize and just be a sicko and be a robot, but I'm not one of those people. I just, Hmm. it's so hard for me. It's an interesting insight though, that you're saying like the 1020 Bellagio is like, that's the, the peak of the bell curve. So perhaps there's something to just like, you know, really, really grinding up a bankroll and then perhaps even skipping that level to get on the other side of the curve. Oh, that's the dream. That's the dream. But like, but when you play against tough players, that makes you better. Like, so mm. that's too is I, I actually like battling with tough players. I, there's a lot of like regs in Vegas who bum hunt and who, as soon as the game gets kind of meh, reggae, they'll leave. But I've always enjoyed playing with tough, tough players because it just, it just makes you better. And then when you sit in a soft game, it just feels like, Oh, you know, this is easy. <laughs> Give me the money. Right? <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. Like it's, it's, you know, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, what does it feel like to go back to your regular stakes after sitting at a 300, 600, no limit table? I mean, I, man, I, uh, I play, I still play all kinds of stakes, but I, spoiler alert, I am on uh, one of the seasons of poker after dark coming up which was a decent stake. Ah. Okay. Um, it, it, might have, it might be coming out when this is out. So it's okay. okay. Um, but uh, which was like pretty high. And then, but like in the same week I will play, yeah, my main game is five ten at the win. I'll, I'll play that game a few times a week mm-hmm. uh, on my own money, but it's, uh, it's, that's the difference is like, I'm selling so much. And when I play lower, I just play my own. And so uh-huh. I guess it evens out. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. That's yeah. interesting uh, insight there. Well, you know, of course, like you say, you know, we're talking about 
cash games, those sorts of stakes, as opposed to a tournament player. Um, as a cash game player, besides win all the money, do you have any sort of specific goals or, you know, like you said, is that the dream, like to really get over that bell curve and, you know, one day I'll be playing 500, that sort of a thing? Actually, I'm trying to get out of cash. I still love it. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm moving to the UK. Of course, I'm, I'm engaged to Spraggy and um, I'm going to be focusing mainly on um, content, but I, I'm going to, when I do play, I'm going to be playing, I'm trying, I've been playing a lot of tournaments here in Vegas and I think the tournaments are just like the future and there's also a lot of value in them. Uh, I still like cash is my love, but I, I'm trying to, to actually get out of it. So that's interesting. Well, that, that type of a transition necessitates some study. So any sort of shout outs, any poker training sites, or do you do one-on-one uh, coaching with uh, Spraggy? Ben Sprague, by the way, for those who don't know. Ben Sprague, yeah. We and Sprague talk a lot of hands. Uh, he's also, we talk a lot with uh, shout outs to Tonka and Connor um, Beresford. And we, that's the main source of study, but he also uh, does BBZ uh, on his stream and we have, we use BBC a lot. We see a lot of their seminars and, um, just running hands in Pio and stuff, but there's been a big adjustment to, um, from cash tournaments. There's so many things that just don't apply that I have bad habits of doing in tournaments. Um, so I'm trying to break those day by day. Well, when you're a professional poker player, it usually means a um, unconventional, very uh, particular type of lifestyle. Uh, do you have any sort of routine that you do every day? How do you decide, oh, what am I going to do today? Um, routine? I honestly am not really like that. I hmm. I need to be more like that. I um, The one thing that I, I have started to incorporate this in the last, since quarantine, is like some sort of like, therapy or coaching uh once a week because that kind of keeps me focused but I don't like get up in the morning and meditate and have a da, 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 da. like I'm very just like I don't know I'm very impulsive oh, interesting <laughs> so it's like oh game's good now let's go to the game you know it's time to study eat that sort of a thing yeah and also like with creative stuff if I get an idea for something like I'll just some like all the time I'll just be doing something mm-hmm. I'll get an idea for thing and I'll have to just drop what I'm doing and like flesh that out right then and there. Oh, interesting. And I'll sometimes I'll just like dive into that for 24 hours. Like uh-huh. <laughs> I'm very like when it caught, I don't know, like I'm very just impulsive. Huh. Okay. And when you're saying when you're doing just uh, your content that you mentioned, you're impulsive, you do it. Is it perfect? Does it have to be perfect right away? Or you just do it until it's perfect or first thing you put out there that's, you know, comes from the gut and let's show it to the world. I'm perfect in the sense of like, I can tell when it's ready. I can mm. tell when it's good, when like the idea is, is fleshed out and is good or when it's missing something and I won't, and it will drive me crazy until I figure that out. But I'm not perfect in the sense of like, the editing has to be perfect or like, how does my face look or mm. like those things, I don't care about that really. Uh, but like I did this video, this is like a great example. I did this video in Dublin where uh, leaving poker for only fans. And I had this idea of like how I wanted that. I yeah. 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 I had an idea of how I wanted that, uh, scene to be like, and specifically, I guess like that outfit, because like, it has to be the right balance of like sexy, obviously, but like funny yeah. or just 
not too sexy. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> and I went shopping with Spraggy for that outfit and we were in the mall for like three hours. Like, couldn't find And he was open about this. I was like, no, that's not right. That's like too sexy. That's uh-huh. like too, but it can't be too silly because then it's like, you're making fun of yourself. It's funny because like, you know, we watch one of one, two, three, four, five minute video, but like the thought that goes into it, it's, it's always great to hear that. So, um, yeah. you, know, you mentioned uh, prior to becoming a poker pro, you acted, you modeled in New York. Um, in 2019, you were in front of the cameras that wasn't a vlog. You got the opportunity to host the Triton Poker series. So how did that come about? And uh, were you excited about uh, presenting and then hosting on camera? Um, it came about, uh, I'm, I, one of my first friends in poker was Joe Stapleton. Shout out Joe. Joe actually introduced Spraggy and I as well. So I'm indebted to him forever. Uh, and Joe obviously does a lot of commentary and he was working that job and he just asked me if I would be interested in hosting. And I said, sure. I did a phone interview with the guys over at Triton mm-hmm. and I was stupidly pretty, um, I was naive to think that it would be really easy. I went into it being like, okay, whatever. I'll just like ask them some questions on break. It'll be like so easy. <laughs> it, was it was not. It was the hardest job I've ever had. Wow. I've worked at Burger King. I've worked at Toys R Us. I've had hard jobs. I've had <laughs> ridiculous jobs. This job, it was so hard. There is no. There is nobody who's a bigger hero on earth than people who do bust out interviews. Wow. Bust out interviews are hell. And... And, um, yeah, but, but I got through it. I did, uh, I came back for London. I have to say, I don't think that it's something I'll do again, just because it's, I don't know. I just like, I'm proud of myself. I stuck it out. I definitely grew as a person, but it's just not my forte to, I'm an introvert. I don't want to chase people down on bricks. Kara Scott is so great at what she does. It's a, it's a unique skill set that I just don't have. Wow. So, but yeah, but I, but I, but I enjoyed it. It, it was good. It was fine, but uh, it's not for me long term. Interesting. Well, it's good to try things. It's uh, like you said, you're a risk taker and good on you. Uh, shout out to Joe, to men. You know, we mentioned uh, Matt Berkey as well. Those were previous episodes that we had here on the Cards Chat podcast. Uh, Joe was episode 16 and Matt was episode 29, I believe. So, uh, yeah, shout out to them. And you know, always a reminder, guys, uh, after you finish listening to this one, if you haven't heard the 31 other episodes, uh, 31 great hours of content for you guys to listen to. Um one of the main reasons that your work has attracted an audience, you got a very unique and, and pr- like I said, pretty cool personality. It's something you don't really often see in the poker world, especially from a woman. It's like a this dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Uh, I remember I think Devilfish kind of had something similar. Um, you make a lot of people smile, Marley, but not everyone gets it. Does that bother you? No. That's no? accurate. That's what? accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's very accurate, yeah. Okay. And, and it doesn't bother you at all that not everyone gets it. Um, no, it does. It does. Oh. And, it, and, and it definitely did in the beginning. I mm. I had some notable people. I don't want to name names, but like I had some notable people come out right when I first started making videos publicly to say that I they didn't approve of what I was doing. Mm. And um, what it is is like people, like random trolls don't necessarily get to me as much as people that I respect in the industry giving me criticism because that's a real person. That's a real 
someone that I respect, um, whether or not I agree with the criticism, it really hurts me. And I was destroyed actually when mm. they, in the beginning, when they first, because I just felt misunderstood. Like I, 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 they were saying that I was outwardly trying to hurt, you know, whoever it may be. And right. that obviously is not my intention. And so to feel, I made an apology video years ago and, and I guess now it's like, it does upset me. Yeah. And, and it, I guess like the way I go about it is I, I, I have a few people in my life that I, I've told them and I trust them to tell me when I'm out of line and to give me honest feedback. I know they're, they have my best interest at heart and I listen to them and everybody else. I kind of just take with a very small grain of salt mm. and I just, and I try to ignore, but yeah, that's, it's hard. It is hard. Sounds like a, a pretty solid approach. I mean, when you, you know, the, the larger your fan base grows, you can't always please everybody. So it's certainly important to have those, those people close to you. Um, I know you're a fan of uh, Ricky Gervais. Uh, is there yeah. anyone, uh, anyone else who's kind of like, um, perhaps inspires the type of stuff that you do and, and your personality a bit? I, mean, I think I talked a little bit. We did I, uh, On the Orbit. Uh, Andrew Schultz is just amazing. I mean, I just admire him for his, his business sense, um, mm -hmm. fact that he was rejected from all these major, um, uh, you know, um, companies to make a special and he just did it himself. It blew up. He's, you know, he was so uh, proactive. I like that. I love Tim Dillon. I love Whitney Cummings and a lot of the, I mean, I, I do like people who aren't comedians. I like Lex Friedman too. Um, there's a lot of, I, what, what attracts me to people is, is, you know, people who aren't afraid to kind of take a stance on something and back it up with, with logic and reason. And, and even if I don't necessarily agree with them, I can at least appreciate they're willing to take a risk, a, a smart risk, a risk that like they have reason to believe it's not just frivolous, you know? So mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Um, you're into playful trolling. Okay. Yes. And, and you recently did a video bit where you were teasing that you were playing poker online on your fiance on Spraggy's account, which is obviously a big no-no. Then a couple days later, he goes and he binks the 530 nightly on stars for over 20K. So no question for you, Marley, but would you like to comment on that? <laughs> I would not like to comment on that. I, I just want to say that, that I think I played pretty flawlessly. <laughs> and I'd like to thank the Academy for my score. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, no. funny, story, funny story about that, actually, mm -hmm. though. So I posted that video, and I, I knew that it was possible people might take it seriously. And um, it's exactly what happened. So I woke up the next day and Spraggy had messaged me like, oh, hey, you know, you know, stars text me about your video. That's like all he says. And I had just woken up and I panicked. I just deleted it. And I was panicking because oh. obviously I don't want him to get in trouble. Right. Of course. And uh, and then he and then I called him and he was like, no, no, no. They thought it was hilarious. And <laughs> they couldn't believe that someone had reported it. They, they were like, this person's so dumb. Uh, and so they're good sports. But I had a moment where my heart sunk and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Like right. you just never know with people. Like they, they, I thought it was obvious that I was joking, but people just don't get it. So. Right. Well, it's also glad, you know, I'm glad to see that, you know, stars has a sense of humor. And when you get into big corporations, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to penetrate that wall, but it's good. You know, at the end of the day, it's people who are watching this, not just, you know, names and, and department heads and stuff. All right. The future Mrs. Sprague. How did you two meet? Well, um, we met at Run It Up Reno mm -hmm. uh, just about two years ago. And uh, I was having breakfast with Joe Stapleton, and it was very early. And he said, I'm going to bring a friend. And I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't really like meeting new people, especially at the wee hours in the morning. Mm. So I was a little actually annoyed. I was like, fuck, like, okay, whatever. And it was Ben, and we hit it off right away. We had a great uh, meal. And later that day, we did commentary together, just me and Ben. And oh, is that that picture on your Twitter, like the the background? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great picture. Yeah, that was the day we met, and um, and I don't know if you've been to. So, Run It Up Reno is a great event at Pepper Mill, and it's really a social event. Mm. Uh, local leagues, tournaments, a lot of events, and we just like hung out that whole weekend. No, no romance or anything. Just um, hung out, and we stayed friends. We stayed friends. I hung out with him. I did try in London, and we hung out in London. When I was here and just kind of just built this friendship. And then about six months later, I actually was the one that texted him like, Hey, I actually have a huge crush on you. Aww. Whatever. That's how it happens. So yeah. <laughs> great story. It's great also that, you know, as someone, you know, who also appreciates and has a passion for poker, it's really cool to find someone who shares that passion and, and gets you, you know, you're living a, a poker type of life and, you know, I need to try and explain every single little thing that you're doing. That's that's really wonderful. Um, you mentioned you spent time together in the UK and now you're in Las Vegas. You know, once you're married, uh, you know, God willing, whenever the date's meant to happen, you know, I think you said you chose, you're choosing the UK. Why, why there? Why not Las Vegas? Well, a couple of reasons. I, I honestly, I've been kind of over Vegas for a while. Mm. Live poker, it's still, it's still live and well, but it's obviously changed since COVID. Um, I, I have signed to the poker site. It's not announced yet, but I signed to the poker site. That's not in the U S so it just makes a lot of sense. He's obviously with stars and, um, and so it just makes a lot of sense for us to be there. We're still going to be here for the series every year. He's never played the main event. Ooh. We need to get him on the main event. So, so yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. And I like it over there. I like here. It's fun. Okay, cool. Well, congrats on the signing. You know, when, whenever the announcement comes, it'll be, uh, I'm sure, some good news. Um, what do you like about living in the UK? You know, you've been there. You spent a good amount of time there. Must be the weather, right? The, oh, yeah, the weather's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But the weather is atrocious. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I went mm. to Boston. I went to school in New York. And there's definitely an element of, I don't know if it's culture, diversity, authenticity. There's something of that missing from Vegas that I've always, that I've been craving. Mm. And Europe definitely has that. Uh, even more so probably than the East Coast. Just mm -hmm. a sense of, like, community, um, uh, simplicity almost to the lifestyle. And I love Vegas. I like going hard, but I, I'm done with going hard like 24 mm -hmm. hours a day. I need a more paced out life. So I really like that. that okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope, I'm sure it'll be a fun, uh, fun adventure. Um, you know, another uh, project that you were involved with for a while was the Rake podcast with Jamie Kerstetter. It's a great show. I watched uh, not every episode, but I watched many of the episodes. It's uh, sponsored by Run It Once. A uh, shout out to them. Now a uh, new co-host, Ben Wilanowski. 
uh, with Jamie. Uh, in your final episode, uh, again, sincerely enjoyed. It was nice, uh, kind of like a best of trip down memory lane thing. Uh, you said you were moving on to other things. You've told us you're going to be uh, signing. You've signed with another site. Um, you said you're going to be doing more content. Can you, generally speaking, you know, is a new podcast in the works or kind of give us a little bit of a, a taste or a tease what we can expect from you in the future? Yeah, so it might have been announced by someone else's out, but if it's not, um, really, you know, I did seven um, sketches back in the fall and I, I have played around with that format for the whole time I've done content, of course. And so I'm going to be doing um, sketches, uh, short videos. I'm definitely not going to be doing so much traditional vlogs, mm. but leaning more into the comedy sketches um, on all platforms. And, and the best thing about it is, just having um, a team now is I'm going to have an editor. I'm going to be outsourcing a lot of this stuff, which I used to do nice. myself. So, so it'll be really, I'm, it's, it's really nice to have somebody, I started working on it already, but it's, it's nice to have somebody to take the burden off. So that, and then um, I'm going to be doing like a weekly show podcast style, like on their Twitch channel um, on you know, the site's Twitch channel and oh. a little bit streaming and stuff too, but, but less streaming and more, but I really want to make it like a, it's going to be a solo, uh, podcast mm -hmm. kind of just like more out of line and, and in my typical ranty style of my blogs like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Sounds, uh, sounds exciting. I'll be, uh, if not the first, then one of the first to subscribe. That sounds really good. Yeah. Um, more recently you joined the, uh, Salt for YTV's Poker Out Loud as part of the vlogger season. Uh, I mentioned we did talk recently and you know, a couple of weeks ago with Matt Berkey about that cool project. How did you like playing in it? I loved it. I've been a fan of that uh, concept for since they started it and I hadn't had a chance to get on. And it was great. I, I love these vloggers so much too. And it was really cool to battle. It was surprisingly difficult to mm. articulate my thoughts in in real time because I was conscious of you have to actively not look at them because it's hard to not get something with the way people are talking or they're reading lips or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it felt a little awkward, but it was a really cool experience. And mm -hmm. I definitely have a lot of things that I wish I would have said that I didn't say. <laughs> back, I'm like, fuck, I should have said that. But. Can you point to anything that you may have learned from the experience? Um, I yeah, I mean, I guess just like whenever, whenever you're, you're, it's the same thing when you stream, when you, you play poker and you're articulating your thoughts and you watch it back, that's such a, a golden way to learn. And I guess like a, a thing I learned is maybe I don't have as much going on in my head as I thought I did. Mm. I think a lot of times poker players, you think like, oh, I'm just so sophisticated in this spot and I just have these, all these things. And then you really start talking about it is like, oh no, I just was thinking about, I want to play hand with that guy. And like, <laughs> I don't know, I'll beat him. <laughs> okay. Well, it's always yeah. cool to, to watch it back in that sense. That's very interesting. Okay. Well, the last couple questions before we turn to our community questions, I want to turn to the topic of women in poker. It's obviously been a very buzzworthy uh, topic always, but specifically these days. Um, Marley, you're a very strong, opinionated woman, and you don't take crap from anyone more power to you. Uh, you're not afraid of putting yourself out there in the public eye. 
Uh, with your wit, your humor, and your vlogs, you've addressed a lot of issues that women deal with in the poker community in a very different and creative way. Um, again, I think, you know, more power to you, kudos to you. What kind of impact are you hoping to have with it? Um, you know, I guess like with the whole women in poker thing or just in inspiring people in general, I take a more indirect approach. You know, there is a lot of women who start groups. I, you know, start um, discords or whatever, and they get really hands-on with being supportive in a direct sense. But I, I just kind of think that for me, for example, a big, you know, I saw Chrissy, when I see Chrissy B just out there crushing and playing high rollers, that is what speaks to me the most and not necessarily uh, sitting down with the woman, her being like, you, you can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I try to just lead by example. And I also just try to be transparent about, mm -hmm. about even the fact that like, Hey, I get a lot of opportunities I didn't necessarily earn, or I think that we have a net positive things that might not necessarily be, you know, received well, because maybe we, you know, I, I don't want to get the, the, give the impression that, uh, that we don't have a tough in some sense because we mm. do, but I, I just would be remiss if I, if I sat here and said like, it's all, it's all tough. Cause I, I don't, it hasn't been my experience, you know? Mm. So okay. yeah. oh, good. Good, good answer. Um, so two opposite questions here then, how do you feel we can make poker more attractive to women? Um, you know, I don't know. And, and that's, it's a complicated question because I do think that the misogyny and the uh, assholes in the community is a piece of it. And I think eliminate, lessening that is a piece of that. But I also just kind of think that that's kind of always going to be there. And mm -hmm. so it's almost like, yeah, I don't know. I, I always just take the approach of like leading by example. And okay. so you know, if, if you crush your own life, if you go out there and you just better yourself and you win and you just put your head down and you do work and you put stuff, people are going to notice. And, and I think that that speaks the loudest. And so how we get more women in poker, I think is you just excel, you do your best and then they'll see that and they'll be like, Whoa, that's possible. So. Yeah. Great. It's uh, I'm not a woman, but uh, that type of approach certainly resonates with me. Um, that's why I asked you that one, uh, you know, first, the opposite question of that. And that's my last question here. Um, do you have any practical tips or advice for women who might want to step out into the poker world, whether as it's a player or as a content creator, but they may be afraid or uncomfortable to do that? Yeah. The main thing is like the first few times I've well, the first bunch of times I played, it was with my dad at the table. And that was a great uh, buffer. And if you have someone that you trust, because there's little things like you forget when it's your big blind or you don't put the chips right. And that's, it can feel really daunting. Like, I'm not going to remember, like whatever. But to have someone sitting next to you that you trust, that can just kind of be like, it's your big blind. Like can give you a, give you a heads up. It's like a safety blanket. It kind of feels like, so So if you have a friend or someone that's better, that's more experienced than you, that's a great thing to do, especially for live poker. As far as content, uh, God, for content, it's just like, it's, again, it's tough because people 
it's just tough out there for women. People are going to come down on you and criticize you uh, no matter what. So just preparing yourself for that, like expecting that to happen, come up, come up, come up with a plan for when that happens. That's fair. Good, good, uh, good tips and strategy there. Well, this is now the segment of the show where we turn to our cards chat community to see what questions you guys who are watching and listening wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread on the cards chat forum for this. So we, that's where we announce who our future guests are going to be. It gives you guys a chance to submit your questions. So uh, first shout out goes to shells. Thank you very much shells for submitting this one. Um, anyone who has watched or listened to your vlogs, Marley, has to know that you have a great sense of humor and timing. How did you develop that quick wit? Well, I was an actor and um, a comedian. I did a bunch of stand-up in New York. Oh. And, and yeah, so so I've done, I kind of dabbled in the whole realm, but mm-hmm. I've done a lot of writing and stand-up and castings and stuff like that. And of course, I just like trained in acting, so... It's always kind of been, it's something I'm trained for. I didn't just like, you know, <laughs> it's not just like a natural talent. Okay. And, and yeah, so I just like trained for it. And so, and so, yeah, I guess like, but I guess, I think that we all, uh, I think that we all like deep down kind of know the stuff that we wish was said or wish we all kind of have it in us, mm-hmm. but it's just a matter of being like, oh, I'm just actually going to say that. The right. thing that everyone's thinking. Right. Kind of- Interesting. I didn't know you did uh, stand-up comedy. Do you have a type five? I do not have to. God, no. Oh, yeah. wow. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was doing like open mics. I wasn't like okay. shows or anything. Okay. But, Any favorite but- place to perform? Um, I mean, there was this place called The Stand in mm. Vegas. I mean, in Vegas, in New York. That was great. I mean, I did like a bunch of bringers too, at, like Caroline and like Gotham and stuff. Nice. And just stuff like, and I've done a bunch in Vegas too. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's again just it's just terrifying. It's just absolutely terrifying. But definitely, uh, once you've done it a couple times, uh, you know, if you can face that, you can face you know eight other people at the felt. That's for sure. Exactly. Uh, what, uh, what do you do in your free time when you're not uh, playing, thinking about poker or uh, moving to the UK? What do I do in my free time? I mean, I try to, I, I got really into like working out and stuff mm. in quarantine. So just, just doing something active. I have to like run and stuff. I have to do something active just to burn off the entry, the extra headspace. I guess that, I don't know. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you, Shells, for those questions. That's really good stuff to start us off here. Uh, Crystals uh, asks uh, another question now. Uh, what is the biggest poker goal you have for this year and for next year? This year is just to get this project off the ground. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I've like, it's like a dream project. And I've been lucky enough that that they kind of I, I told them kind of going in that I want free reign to be able to kind of like go there and they're totally on board with me and it's just a dream. So I just want to make that happen. It's my number one priority. And I guess um and next year, I mean I I can't lie, I I still have a dream of like having a tournament score. And I know it's Anybody who plays poker knows it's like a silly thing to it to it, you know, 
uh, strive for because it, a it's just so high barrier. It doesn't mean anything really in terms of your ability, right. but but it just like would just would feel good to have that that accomplishment, you know? Sure, so absolutely. A trophy in the uh, in the trophy yeah. case is always a good thing. Um, our last uh, community questions come from Acid Burn FX. What a great name! Love that name. Uh, always uh, sends the most interesting and creative questions here. Uh, Marley, what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their life? Um, I have a couple of, like R-rated ones. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everything's much to do. Oh, well, here's, oh, here's something. Work in a restaurant because, uh, or work in the service industry because there are so many little things. I waited tables for like six years Hmm. and it's such a pet peeve being out to eat with people and they don't know little things. Like for example, like don't be the last one sitting there. They want to like, when they, you can tell they're changing shifts and they want to close out with you. Um, just little things like that, but like, that you don't, you don't think about. And and we spend so much of our lives dealing in the service industry and dealing with people giving us uh, service Mm -hmm. that you just need to know courtesy stuff. I think it's so important. Wow. That's that's great. I certainly didn't think about that being the last one at the table. How important is tipping to you having been, you know, being someone who had depended on tipping for so long? That's my question. Yeah. And it's really important. And I, that's kind of been my way to give back during COVID is I've been over tipping just because I think that people, even especially now, like with COVID, I can't imagine being in that industry this year, uh, that money that you've lost. So yeah, I, I'm an over tipper. I just, I just, I've been there. So I get it. Um, next one from acid burn FX. Yeah. Love that name. Uh, if you were, <laughs> if you were, this is a great one. Uh, if you were a dictator of a small island nation, what crazy dictator things would you do? If I was a dictator on a small island nation, what would I do? God, that's a thinker. Um, I would just, I would like not tolerate um, in, in authenticity, I guess I would be, I would, if I felt somebody was giving me some kind of answer that they thought I wanted to hear, I would be like, I wouldn't accept it. I would, I would like put them in jail until they told me how they really felt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. Not, not the, I didn't know what answer I expected, but that's not the one I expected. So that's interesting. Okay. Um, and our final question for this show, Marley, what are some of your personal rules that you never break? Um, I guess like this is kind of deep, I guess, but- That's why we I, saved it for last. <laughs> really deep. Yes. Um, just the, the, like, I have a bunch of really close people in my life that I kind of call it like, the untouchables that, mm. you know, if they like need me or if something's up with them, like they, I just like drop what I'm doing and, and take care of them. And I guess that's like my number one rule is just like, you know, I don't know. I just kind of, um, I treat them like gold and, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, 
sacrifice on that. And I, I take, I take it pretty seriously. So, so that, I guess that would be it. It's a fantastic uh, way to end off and certainly says a lot about you as uh, we've learned a lot on this show. Um, thanks to everyone who sent in questions for Marley Cordero uh, and for our future podcast guests. Uh, again, turn to the dedicated thread uh, on the forums. Of course, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Uh, Marley, thank you for joining me on the show today. I really enjoyed it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers before we let you go? No, just keep an eye out for my project. It might have been announced, but if not, and then I'm, you know, poker um, out loud every Tuesday and um, poker after dark coming soon. So keep an eye out for those. Nice. Cool. On poker go. Very cool. Well, thanks again to all of you for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.